You are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today is Eric Lundy. How you doing, Eric? Hi. Did I say your last name correctly? I'm fine. Yes, you did. Okay, fantastic. I would warn you in advance that I have a problem with phonetic pronunciation of words that like never pop up in day-to-day conversation. So... I kind of got a good track record of mispronouncing things. So, yeah, I understand when people can't understand it. Actually, it's, it's actually, it's always a happy accident, you know, if you if you mispronounce it and it's, and it's great. If they don't mind, I personally don't mind. A lot of people say Lund. They they take the E off. And they're surprised that, oh, that hard E, that, uh, yeah, is, is part of your word. And it's like, yes, yes, it is. So, but you did right. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it because I am the world's worst pronouncer. Yeah, you are in good company. I don't even know if pronouncer is a word, but it is now. <laughs> Let's make it a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, so how do we say X-C-H-D-X? Why would, uh, we always pronounce it as exchitics. Exchitics, I like exchitics. it. Exchitics, yeah, yeah, that was always, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I guess I always pronounced it that way. That was the pronunciation, yes. So, well, I would say and, that's uh, the important one. <laughs> yeah, when people ask what it is, that's what I usually say: is it's extritics. It was fun to it was fun to create too. So, how was that born? Although you're familiar with the whole the whole uh, uh, um, system, right? The 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 exoskeleton and the whole stuff, right? Well, we we are familiar, but we'd like to hear it from you oh. and for anyone else who is not well, familiar. Well, catches me off guard because not a lot of people know about, or I don't know, I, I don't know how many people know about that, but how, um, how it came about was I had some interest in using the body in a performance and also had a big interest in robots at the time because, well, the... the um, what do they call it? The Japanese style robot and robot um, uh, suits and that sort of thing was just coming into animation, anime. And uh, what was it? Uh, Transformers, I think, were just starting their little thing. So we all had this thing for that. And I thought, well, that would be fun. But um, if I could build my own suit in a really, really uh, low end capacity. And so I did. And the metaphor comes more from uh, from Michel Foucault. In the he had a uh, in in the order of things, he had a lot to say about the uh, uh, semantic grid that's imposed on the world. And at least that's my interpretation. Forty years on, at this point, that I remember, because <laughs> I know that was really important to me at the time, but I never, I don't think I actually emphasized that part. So. But that's, yeah, that's how that came about. When the Arts Center said, you want to do a show? It's like, give me some room. And that's what we did. That's incredible. And there is footage online of some of those performances. Was that the beginning of your solo performances using that? Oh, that was the, let's say that was the, the highlight of that, of the beginning. Like that was the one that pushed everything towards more definite I'm going to do this by myself for a while prior to that I had just made some adventures you know solo performances in the city of Milwaukee and that sort of thing and then when extritics happened and then oh god it was after that then uh then the whole stuff with Jeff and the um 
tape def, uh, all that started falling together. Yeah. Let's say that was the, well, how they put it, the pendulum that swung it to, to you're going by yourself now. How's that? With Xchetics in the video on the terrain of prophecy, is there a person under the sheet metal that you're lowering? Yeah, that's Dave. <laughs> I haven't talked to Dave in a while, but Dave was what we used to call our, um, well, he, 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 Dave was Border Cars percussionist, and he wore a lot of the masks and stuff that we built for him, and he was also introduced his own method slash weapon of percussion when he used a, a giant double-ended dildo for effect with, I don't know if there's any, I don't think there's any, any footage of that. I mean, there was... Mm -hmm. There should have been, but Dave was flunky. We used to kind of call, he called himself flunky because he would, he would participate and sometimes he would be the victim or the test subject. <laughs> and in this case, he was the test subject because he, uh, he found, I says, would you mind? And, you know, we, we strapped him underneath a whole bunch of, um, uh, wire, uh, of like a mesh wire. And then we poured dirt on top of him. And unfortunately for him, we also mixed dried blood in it because that's what you can get from the garden, you know, because we wanted to introduce the idea of blood in the soil and that blah, blah, blah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he kind of stank like dried blood for a while. The whole place <laughs> stank like dried blood for a long time. So unfortunately for Dave, yeah, he finally got it out and everything, you know. But um, yeah, there's someone under there. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, think, I think in the videos i've tried to post i think i left that in there but i can't remember and if anyone else has any of that that, that would be great if they posted it but mm -hmm. yeah dave's under there so dave went on to be the singer of one of the versions of boyder car i wasn't in and he's saying in a one of those um manifestations about 2012, I think it was. So watch for that. If you know, if you're familiar with that, if you were familiar with that, I think that was Dave was really good in it. I like watching Dave play and sing. It was it was kind of a good time for that. So you mentioned Boydert Carr, and that was uh, I think my first exposure to your work. Let's let's talk about that. Right, started in 1981. Yes. And the earliest releases were 1983. It seems like, unless there's some that are that are lost to time. Yes, we'd say I would say 1983 is when the ball started really rolling. So there was a small cassette out before that, and then we had a break. We kind of just thought, well, maybe we're not going to do this, and then we went back into doing it, and then we recorded that gravel on year, and I was like 1983. So what was the impetus to start Boyder Car, and how did that come about? Um. Oh, there's really. That's a hard one. Now, I guess it was just to, we started off as basically tr going to try to be a, um, uh, a, let's say Sonic youth oriented rock band. Right. We had a big interest in the, in the guitars and the guitar noise sound that was coming out of New York and other places. Um, you know, flip or two and that sort of thing. We were going to be wild, stupid, but we we're going to be just basically noise guitar. And we started that way, but we started running into some other things that were more interest and, and it kind of morphed into this industrial thing because industrial started 
rearing up. It had already been there, but it really became prominent, well, like uh, noticeable right about 83, 4, I think it was. That's when we started introducing those elements into it, tape loops, um, electronics, and and the metal percussion. Yeah, well, Noy bought too, uh, you know, because <laughs> it, it, it was, because you you know, it, it's, I don't know how to say it, but it's like influences are a little weird to, to discuss. And not, no, not of it just came by, by itself. I'd love to say it. we invented, we didn't. And it was nice to, it was fun to do. And, and what they were doing was incredible at the time. Oh, yeah. You're like, what mm -hmm. the fuck? Finally. Right. But, uh, our incorporation of it, it was like, we never, I don't think we ever said no, you know, they didn't influence us or anything like that. But yeah, it, it was, that was about that time that changed everything. Watching them, you know, seeing them develop and listening to them. It was like, wow, we can do this too. So that's how all that kind of started coming about. So we just kind of like through those periods, there's like, you just kind of like bringing in some more elements from other areas like White House and stuff like that. And then kind of balance it all out with a sort of noise guitar approach. And that's how Boyder Car ran for a while there. And it was just the, the two of you that started the band, you and Darren Brown originally? Originally, yes. And then when did you start yes. adding other members? Was this as you needed percussionists and people <laughs> to man tape loops? Uh, yeah, yeah. We also we had kind of a kind of a guest role approach for a while there too. Like someone threw some money or fear free beer at us. They were in the band for the night. <laughs> hey, hey, that's nothing wrong with that. Excellent policy. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> that there's a bar owner in particular who who had that honor. To be honest with you, we needed like I think we needed the members of Dyke Kreutzen and the to to hook up with them. We needed them in there because they gave us more focus. You know, they they understood how music is produced, you know, in terms of uh, chords and stuff like that. They were not just technical, though. Don't get me wrong. Right. It was very creative. The whole thing. It gave them an opportunity to do something they couldn't do in their in, in their hardcore world. So everyone benefited. It was mutual benefit of everybody, you know, and it was a, it was a giant exploration process for everybody, I think. So everyone everyone benefited. And that was that was really nice. And having them in real, like I said, that helped bring focus and an understanding of some stuff we didn't know about. And, and, you know, Darren already knew about how music works. And I got a better taste of it with, with the help of, with Keith and Dan. So there, yeah, that's how that worked out. Yeah. And then later on, I didn't, I didn't embrace that because I didn't really like rock roll at that point. So anyway, that's my answer. How did you end up connecting with Ron Lassard, who put out a lot of Boy mm -hmm. Dirk Carson? Oh, Ron. Oh, that was FI. That was, um, are you familiar? You're familiar with FI, obviously. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. Richard Frenecki approached us about doing the split record with Ron. I think that's how it went. I don't think, I don't remember, I don't believe Ron f looked for us, but found us through FI. And that's how that happened. Cool. And I could be wrong on that because my memory being a little lapsy and me not being in a lot of ne some negotiations. So, but I, if I remember right, that's how it went. I would blame it all on FI. Yeah. <laughs> but, tri <laughs> but Triple R would put out a lot of Boy Derek Carr. And I always associate Boy Derek Carr with Triple R in the, in the 80s, especially. Yeah. He was a, a essential component to the whole thing, everything at that time. Oh um, yeah, 
I mean, I I don't understand. At this point, is RRR stay? Is there still around, or did Ron finally just kind of like did he have to call it quits? Or it's still going. The store is still there. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi, Ron. Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely. He's it's still kind it's of... still a mecca. All right, good. Well, that's good for him. That's good for the world. Excellent. It, I absolutely. I haven't contacted him in a long time now, and I'm I'm just that. That, that not that uh, sociable, I guess. I, I take hey. social distancing very seriously. <laughs> you, it seems like yeah. you practiced it er, for a long time. Yeah, I don't. Um, you, I, you, were, not, you were gearing up for you it. You brought the trend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing we're. Yeah, I was ahead of the curve, man. I, I, I already had this whole this whole uh, uh, pandemic <laughs> thing already. And I knew it was going to happen. No, it was. <laughs> It was, uh, no, I, what I, one thing I do can tell you this, the change between the old print form, the old analog form of, let's say, of, of, uh, promotion of communication, um, that came easy for me. The transition to the, to this, what we're doing now, uh, I didn't master it. I can do it, but I'm oh, shit. I, I I dropped out of a lot of that stuff just because I'm I'm not I can't do it. I don't I don't have the patience for uh, plugging away at Facebook every day and all that crap. I, I just just can't stand social networking. I just think it's fucking hideous. I so absolutely. I, that's agree why with you. I'm not talking to a lot of people because I'm incompetent and purposely choose to be at this point. So when when do you think? When did you see that happening, that switch? Well, it was about, it was about Windows 98, right? Uh, mm. a friend, uh, I took a couple years off to pursue art in the 90s. I moved to Minneapolis. And I didn't do any music for a couple years there. And I started hanging out at a record store there. And I was introduced to techno. Like, they had a, this huge basement area full of techno. Fucking great, 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 great store. It was, it was like, uh, in fact, they closed, and the guy runs on, on a, an online site now. Where he's trying to sell all his stock. Let it be records, I think it was huge, huge thing. And anyway, I was I was talking to some of the people that worked there, and they told me, you know, like, was, well, how do they produce this stuff? I didn't know. I mean, I knew about synthesizers. I, I didn't. I, that wasn't the problem. It's like, how were they editing it? Was became what they told me it was like that was the key it was just like you got to get yourself a computer and you got to get this software and you got to edit everything and i'm like okay let's go and it's sort of like i couldn't get i couldn't that's when i think i knew there was a big difference and then after finally getting some of this done like kind of like working on it for a while there that's when i realized promotional wise uh it required a lot more well, let's say uh, you know, communication level skills that I didn't possess, nor did I have the patience for, I guess, because it requires, it seems a lot of, a lot of, um, internet and schmoozing, you know, and, and commu- communicating with your base and that sort of stuff. That's yeah. I'd say 98, 90, when I, when I, when I first kind of ventured back into stuff, it was like, uh, no, I don't know if I can do this, man. This is fucking weird. So anyway, I adore you saying there's no patience for that, but yet you've built this um, exchitic suit and you do such complicated woodcuts and have compiled books. That's right. That's yeah. right. 
Absolutely. Analog. I can so deal good. with stuff with my hands and I don't have any problems doing things that are you know, specifically just, just a, a part of the mind. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for, uh, uh, the powers of the mind, but, um, <laughs> so, uh, but building and, and I can do computers, right. But it doesn't yeah. give me the gratification of seeing something in reality, 3d material versus the ephemera that people seem to be more than happy to make a lot of fucking money off of like this whole thing. Oh, we're not talking about it real quick, but I'm not an NFT guy. I'm not, a, I'm not, I, it's like, you're dealing in intangibles at this point. I can't deal with intangibles. I can deal with with ideas. I can't deal with intangibles because they're not there. And will they ever be there? That's the question. So yeah, that's like this this whole thing isn't exactly my my cup of tea. It's it's like you're 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 dealing with stuff that's just vapor. And and, and if you want to do that, that's fine. I can't. That's the way the world's going. That's fine too. It's not my fight anymore. So we're back in the eighties. What were you in communication with a lot of people via letters, via these sort of things, zines and stuff like that yeah. back then? Yeah. No, I one show that I almost got. Oh, I wish I had was um, it was an S. Hurtengottenbush. It was the um U two V two the V two archive show. There's a record of it. Yeah. I was supposed to, or there was talk about me showing up and going there. And it was decided over facts that I wasn't. All right. So I had to give them guys a fax number to communicate to me <laughs> with. So I got a fax saying, no, we're not going to bring you over this time. So if you don't mind doing it over the phone, if you can, if you don't mind and over fax, we could do it that way. And I'm like, ah, but that's how I learned I'm not going to the V2 archive. But you were using these at the time, modern technology. Now looking back on it, it's archaic as as we've moved so much forward so you were dealing with things like facts back then yeah and that's and that's just the rudimentary part of it one of the reasons why it was pricing too one of the reasons why you don't have a lot of bdc video footage is and now i could be wrong because people might be popping up and going saying hey oh i forgot i had this right but not a lot of people had cameras. They didn't have VHS right. cameras, you know. Mm-hmm. The expense in, in itself to take on a camera at the early point made it difficult to, 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 to proceed that way. There were people doing video, right, that, that made themselves little video companies. And that took a matter of a little time. It didn't really, like, get, to get going for a while there. They're very selective, too. I think it was the stupid frogs out of Milwaukee had a had a video company for a while there. I don't really know what the status of of their archives are or what they're doing with them. I don't even know if we were ever recorded by them. But you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like mm-hmm. price. Uh, how to pay for that was was a uh, uh, it it was it well, it was their attempt to be target video that was it i think that was but that never developed in like milwaukee and chicago and stuff like that so did boyder car tour a lot one big major tour 90 uh, was it you know 87 we did a lot of shows outside in the midwest area madison milwaukee chicago indiana 
And then we did a whole West Coast tour with Dykroitzen. Oh, cool. Which was, which was up to Washington, Tacoma, Seattle, Portland, and then points down, and then Arizona, and then uh, home. It was fun. Cool. It was eye-opening. I, I never wanted to do it again. So. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> and in the, the late 80s, it seems like, is when you split off from Boy Dirt Car. And what prompted that? Not anger or anything like that. I, I'll tell you from my point of view, I always just thought it was because we had kind of reached a point where, where we couldn't get, it was a point of, of, of diminishing returns. Um, I, and I, I wanted to retire at like, I'm really big on like knowing when your time is up, someone's going to say, that's not how it went, Eric. Oh, uh, so, but I'm, I, if like, there's expiration dates in some things, you can kind of feel it out and go, yeah, if this goes any further, this is going to get a little stupid, right? Cause you, I didn't want to become a grateful dead, uh, a noise band, you know, or I'm touring just for, <laughs> you know, Hey man, we're out front, not dancing. Okay. We got the, we got the parlor people and stuff like that. I didn't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And also, my yeah. Then I got way too interested in in, in dan- industrial dance, I guess, because I w- I made a brief brief attempt to join somebody down in Chicago to maybe start that, but that didn't last long. So I knew where it was going. Like I, I mean, that I felt that's where industrial was going. Was it was going to go the ministry route, and I wanted I wanted to see kind of like see border car kind of evolve into that, but no one was really. I don't think there was it that they weren't willing to do it. I don't think we could. Everyone was tied up with their own agendas at the time. And it was really hard to correlate everybody into like a smooth running machine. You know, it was easier to get together to be a, 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 uh, you know, oh, a contraption of sorts, you know, because you could do that on the fly. But if you wanted to be a smooth order, you know, like, I don't know how you feel about that sort of thing, but if you wanted to, be a dance machine, let's say, or you wanted to use um, an 808 or something like that in your sound and kind of get people to move a little bit fast, which is kind of interesting. You, I think you need to practice more. You need to focus more on it. And then every element in the, uh, in, in the uh, band, uh, Dykroitzen was going their way. Uh, Darren had some things going on professionally. Uh, I had nothing. I had a crappy job. I had time to kill. I think that's really what happened there. And, and it's like, forgive me if, if I, I don't know if people express, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like most people are cool with it. That's what I hear. So, I so could you, be wrong. you were, you were interested in that wax tracks. Yeah. Were you going down to Chicago from Milwaukee at the time going out to the revolting cocks and thrill kill? Yeah. Yes, yeah. There's a place called the Crash Palace that fucking Jorgensen ran. And my oh, my friend who played in one of the bands down there, um we yeah, we had a yeah. good time. And Heck and I really yeah. saw you know, I, I saw a lot of people say, Oh, techno or whatever. And it's like, no, it got people to move and it was it was it could be thoughtful at the same time. It could be it could work like uh, in, a, in, a, in a creative fashion. It wasn't. 
I, I, you know, I love that stuff. I, and oh. it, it appealed to me at that time. So we're all, we're all big fans of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So you're, 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 you're in a good space here. Cool. Cause it was fantastic. That box set they took out last year. I had to pick that up. I don't know if you picked that up. The uh, wax, wax, wax tracks box set. I mean, no. we we definitely have the old school '90s black box oh, for those. sure. Oh, keep those! <laughs> Last year they reissued the the people that ran. A uh, real quick story is Wax Trek's daughter. Uh, the, the 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 people the guys that ran it they're gone, but her his daughter picked up on a whole bunch of stuff in a barn someplace. Oh wow! So she's selling a whole well had been selling a whole inventory wow. of stuff. She put up some money to get wax tracks going again, so they're sort of online. And they put out this box set last year full of uh, wax tracks memorabilia, a CD, a movie, a DVD movie, and a vinyl record and a small 7-inch. Oh, cool. I, I swear by this thing. I haven't watched the movie. It's been a year, and I should sit down and watch the movie, but... Yeah, you can get them. You know, I live the movie. I don't need to see it. No, that wasn't really it. <laughs> <clears throat> that wasn't really it. I was really on the periphery, but it was fun, and I really enjoyed the scene. I really like like uh, like what they were doing down there. So I bet were the the shows seem to be legendary. I mean, we've only seen video yep. of you know Thrill Kill and, yeah. and Ministry and stuff like that, and Revolting yeah. Cox, that that great show from the Metro. But so you were just. You I didn't get it. to go to that one. Ah. So, I used to go to the, the Thrill Kill Cult shows a lot. Um, <laughs> let's see, Ministry, we used to see a lot. A lot. Um, who else? The guy that sang, oh, he sang for Revco, the, the British guy. I saw his show, Chris. Chris Connolly? Yeah. He did shows. He did show. He did a record for them. That was a pretty good show. Whiplash Boy Child. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, well, it's been a while. I don't really remember anymore. One of my all-time favorite records. <laughs> so at that same time, you were also you were diving into that world, but then also was that around the time where you were connecting with people like Jeff German, or did that come a little later? I came. Um, Jeff German came before all that. Right I was on. still living in Milwaukee, and I was just starting to, before all that, yeah, and that was... Uh, What's it, 87? Eight, or maybe 86, something like that. I can't remember. Then we did some shows together. But, but yeah, it was with Jeff and a few other people I was hanging around with then. And I was trying to, to work my solo work, which wasn't uh, a dance-oriented type thing or, or electronic. It was just all words and tape manipulation and tape degeneration. And that's what me and Jeff got together on. We We... That was our. That's the thing that he liked working with me for, was doing the tape degeneration and the and the word work that we used to do, and he used to do, um, vocal, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, and and then the the uh, earthworks stuff is where we hit it off too, was going out to Colorado and recording live and doing shows and, or not so much shows but events in wild little areas of Colorado or little parks. So yeah, about that time. Then it was Chicago. But prior to that, no, I've been, yeah, me and any questions on, yeah, me and Jeff have been, I, I, I didn't see him for a while. I reached out to someone at some point about 98. And I said, 
Tell Jeff I'm looking for them, and we hooked up again, so we're good again. That's so great. And awesome. you brought up you, you utilizing words in your work, and that's something that's very distinct to your work and something that you've has been part of your work since the beginning. When did you know that words were going to play a role in your art? Always. Yeah, it, it's always been that my... I, I, I have a, I, I'm very interested in language. I'm very interested in how it doesn't say anything. I, the, how you can make it not say anything. I can play with it. How you can, and both as, as visual and as audio. If you were to ask me when my stuff started or my interest started is, was I read a book called Text, Sound Text by Richard Castellanitz. It's a treasured item. It's a really good book. And it's, it's all about, it's a collection of sound text, sound poetry and performances and in there is elvin lucier's i'm sitting in a room and when i read that i'm like okay this is this is it this is the thing i'm going with this is this is what i want to i want to work on is uh that that piece is really important to me and that's where i think i could say that's where i started and it's both words and it's both about environment it's about language and it's about person at the same time. And then after that, then you fall into the William Burroughs, his tape work. That was really influential too. And I really like Burroughs for that. I, I love Burroughs. So yeah, that's what I've been holding with for a long time now. Less so lately, uh, more so lately in that trying to print and publish less than release audio, I guess. And I'm learning some pretty wicked little lessons on that too. So, uh, that's yeah. That's been my 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 focus for a long time. A long long time is is how language works and how we can make it not work, or how we can change it, how we can manipulate it, how we can make it work for for how can I like to render it into an, where it's not working. I like that a lot. And the lesson I learned from Lucier is not so much how I could correct my my uh, speech impediment. But how I could get tonalities out of out of the voice with words, you know what I mean? I mean, once you once mm. you start reducing audio on tape with recording methods, you arrive at tonalities, you arrive at frequencies and signals, and suddenly your word isn't a word so much as it's it's a it's a song it's a it's a tone it's a note it's a it's a signal. That's it. So, this yeah. idea, this ero the erosion of of words. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Erosion over time or, or intentionally eroding it in, in, in your, in your, in your, you know, in your immediate surroundings at that point, right then. So, um, yeah, so that's what I do. And what have you, what have you learned from your work with language? What I've learned is I'm happy with it, but I'm as happy without it, I guess. I'm really at an asemic place at this point. A lot of my work right now is involved in, in asemics of just the gesture of a written language, of a suggestion, but not semantic content. You know, like trying to work away from semantic content and not abusing it, but reworking language away from it. That's where I've been going lately is, is sticking with that. And more so now in that I'm distrustful of language content, semantic content at this point. There's, there's kind of an issue going on in the, 
in the world right now. And it's like, I don't think I really want to be part of that. Or if I do, I, I certainly want to erode what, you know, most people, the, the confidence people have. No, I don't know. I want people to have their confidence in language again. I'd like to see that. Yeah, to be honest with you, the bleeding heart would say, yeah, we should be confident in language, but I'm not that confident anymore. So confident in language, less confident in humans. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a rough time for that sort of thing. So anyway, yeah, if you can, if you can kind of like look at language as something that's material and can be worked with. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're doing the same kind of things with language that you do with sound, right? Taking a sound and, and sort of mutating it and eroding it and changing it until it suits your purpose. Right. Yes. That is one thing I do. My biggest problem is sometimes it's it's adversarial. When you use someone's language against them, that's one thing. But to take there's a it's it's another thing to use their voice against them. And a lot of times I have to distinguish between, let's say, if I'm eroding my voice, it's like, do I do I treat that with respect? And if I'm gonna erode someone else's voice because they're an idiot or saying something I disagree with, you know, how, how, how much adversarial should I be with? How, how aggressive? It's one of those things. It's like, it's, 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 it, you can use it for attacking people and you can use it. There's a voodoo involved in it. I don't want to admit that, but there's a voodoo involved in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, what's not, I'm not a, I'm not a mag- magical person. I'm not really into that. I do get a kick out of it like Burl's Burl's really big on on the uh, magical purposes of of some of the things we employ in, as writers and artists and uh I'm into that I'm I'm not really like I says I I don't I don't believe in actual mystical properties but I do get a kick out of the properties that that they they display you know um so yeah I guess there's something of a voodoo hope that you're working with you're kind of like yeah maybe if i if i tweak this guy's voice through my processes he'll fuck up you know or something will happen to him it hasn't happened yet but we'll see what happens well speaking of your words we have a friend of the podcast who really loves short bursts of light and said that it was initially going to be a trilogy is that on the horizon or no oh that's funny anyone read it um <laughs> I'm really someone. That, I don't get a lot of like mm-hmm. like uh, feedback on stuff. Uh, there was attempt to, to do that, and I haven't given up on it yet. Um, but well, now I know there's someone out there might do. I might pick it up. I started a second part of it. Yeah, awesome. Maybe this so, is the impetus to see it through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It could be. Um, it's actually exists in like uh, little sections, you know, on my computer. Uh, there's a whole file devoted to the attempt, and then uh, then I got sidetracked. I tell them I'll try. I can't really guarantee at this point. It was a good. It was a good ride. It was a good. It's actually. I think it's a pretty pretty uh, f- fun thing. So um, I'm thank. Tell them thank you. I thanks for. For someone paying attention to it, yes. I gave enough copies away, let me tell you. All right. 
But you do have a your own sort of bookstore through Lulu that does the self publishing where people can buy your books. Yeah. I know I've picked up some from mm-hmm. there, uh, and also oh, nice. your uh, your book with Joe Colley, which is uh, very much hand assembled. Is he putting it together now? Yeah. All right. See, so he didn't tell me that. I mean, I knew about that because <laughs> I helped furnish the books for him. But he didn't tell me what he was going to do with it, and so now it's a mystery. So if he did something <laughs> with it, this is good. Yeah, uh, that's my bookstore for the most part. Um, I'm trying to assemble something, but like I said, I'm kind of, uh, when, when it comes to building websites and stuff like that, I'm not very good at it. If someone, yeah, right now that's that would be one way to get a hold of me, is is to go through the bookstore there. Well, Joe Colley is somebody who mm-hmm. I think played a big role in maybe reintroducing you during the years where you were not so yeah. much doing stuff with his fantastic When You Wish Upon a Scar yes. CD. Thank mm-hmm. you. And, yeah. and so Love how it. did you end up connecting with Joe and how did that project come together? Carl Paluchek introduced us. And, and Joe and me talked about uh, putting together a compilation. And um, then after that, we've been working together for a long time now. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar if if you know Carl Pluchek. If you Carl P, um, he, he was in Boyd uh, Car and, and Impact Test, yeah. Yes, and there's another band, okay, called Fuckface. That's the one that Dave used to sing for, and I think Carl used to play percussion on. Yes, Carl has his own. I put out a CD by him when I was doing trait. He has put out records since then. Usually under, I think it's Carl P or just P. I can't remember right now. Um, It's been a while since he's released something. But Carl introduced me because he's been in contact with Joe and Joe and me struck up a friendship and Joe and me worked on putting this compilation together and Joe put it out. And then Joe went into a different direction and and now he's uh, he's did did he start his online store is that where you get that book from so I, joe doesn't fill me in on details so well, joe, <laughs> I, I got well, it straight joe, from joe, joe but we and, oh yeah. okay and we can say joe's probably listening right now so hey joe <laughs> get me informed yeah <laughs> we, I'm, I'm doing a uh um I'm doing a CD release for Joe on my label and we've been, we're in contact very regularly. So I'm not sure if it's available in the, in the world, but I have gotten one from Joe. <laughs> oh, good. Yay. I'm glad he did. Then he did something <laughs> with it. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't know. He's got, he's got his own life. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to badger people for stuff like that. He'll get around to it. I know Joe. He always does. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but, true. But the, if anyone listening hasn't picked up the the compilation CD, it's really great because it's got a great booklet and you can see some of the diagrams for the robotic suits in the book. Were these made for the CD yeah. or were these prior? Well, I know I made them for the book. Yeah, cool. sorry. I have copies. So if you post the ghost by mail at gmail.com address on your site as i see you did for jeff that would be great because great joe just shipped me a box of copies that have been kind of languishing in a closet i guess so i have lots of copy i have some copies of those to sell as well as some other stuff too so 
we could help help Uncle Joe and buy a compilation. That's that's let's 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 help out Joe. That'd be good. These are beautiful, though. I like. I love your your it was woodcuts. Nice. I think it was the it, first time I saw Digipack. You know the the, the packaging. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's great. And I also love under the drawing of one of of the full suit where it says what's fashionable people will be wearing. And I like the idea that, <laughs> that this was going to be the yes. fashion of the time. I'd wear it. Damn. Well, thank you. I'll start making those. Cause we're going to have a rush on those now. Um, <laughs> I didn't, Save uh, your speakers. <laughs> yes. Joe said, we're going with Digipack. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And he says, well, it's like a book type thing. This is, I'm like, it's not going to be in a jewel case. It won't be official. And it's like, no, no, it was a good move. And at the time I had no idea that that existed like that. I mean, so yes, it's a very nice package. It really worked out really nice. So I hope more people would, I I hope to see more people be interested in it before the the uh, the uh, corruption of the CD itself starts kicking in because I don't know when that's going to happen. So, well, how many versions of the of the rope, the heads and the suits did you make? Were they different for every show, or were they? Was it something that kept evolving? How did that work? Just the one time, and there's a, another version. Okay, there was only the one that was built. There was an attempt to incorporate an actual cast face mask that a friend of mine made from aluminum. That didn't work out well. And quite frankly, I'm not so sure where that is anymore. I think Dave got it. And Dave had a bronze and I had an aluminum. And we were going to take the aluminum and put that into the frame as an upgrade if we were to continue. That kind of fell to the wayside. Back in nineteen and twenty twelve, when we did the Phantom show, the uh, there's a show that I put together up here in, in Minneapolis, and I did a performance, and I had a friend of mine sent me the head of the original. I had given him the original head because his wife, his girlfriend, his and wife now, however you want to put it, uh, she took pictures of the pictures were hers that you see a lot. And, and, oh, okay. and, and especially there's one in that book that that's hers. She did a lot of work with me and for me during that period. And at the end of it, and I, since I didn't think I was going any further with it, I said, here's my head. And she took the head and they kept it as a gift and they kept it propped up and stuff like that. And then I think one day after I have no idea what I did or what happened, but I got it back one day it was on my porch so I like, all right, so I said, well, that's nice because I kind of missed it. And we att- I attached it to a frame that I built, but that's basically not to live in. It's, it was basically as a prop. So it came back, but not as, a, not as a suit, no, but as a prop more than anything. So, And in that one, I installed a, um, a camera, I believe, in the eye. So... Anyway, it's been a while too now. No, that's it's almost ten years since that show. So, but yeah, it's around. You want it? You want it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big responsibility. I, I, I send you pictures of its ex, its current state. It's sitting in my garage, so I'll send them to you if Please. you want. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, we talked a bit about you uh, visiting Chicago, and you lived in Chicago for a period of time? Very briefly. About two years. And you were collaborating with, with Dan Burke of Illusion of Safety around that time, right? And, and also yeah, you had a project yeah. uh, with Dan and Jeff Holist. Yes. Can you tell us yes. about collaborating with those two? Oh, it was great. Um, Dan is, he's, um, I don't even know what Dan does anymore. Um, we kind of fell, we went different, everyone goes their different ways. I'm not really one of those that, that uh, attempts to recover, you know, lost time, unless it happens, you know, hey, long time no see. So I don't know what Dan's doing. Dan was, I would say, near professional in terms of like the equipment he was using and how he was using it and that sort of thing. His sample, he was really, he was one of the first people I had met that was into sampling. And he bought the whole, you know, he had the whole everything going and, and introduced me to MIDI and everything else. The whole thing, uh, that was interesting. I would say that I would apologize for my portion of it, because first of all, I don't remember exactly everything I put into it. I would apologize for it because I remember at the time that I had been, I suddenly became very exhausted with, with everything. I was kind of running out of ideas and we were trying to wing this whole performance in my living room and recording it. And I, he's like, what do you think? You want some lyrics? And I'm like, I can't think of anything right now. So we'd work on some stuff and I don't, now I can't. Yeah. But, but in general, those are, that was a very productive time with the three of us working together and doing the show in Milwaukee at the time. It was fun. So we said, yeah, that was a good show. And, and that was a good time. That's what I can tell you about it. Um, there was a lot, it was just three of us trying to make decisions and, and uh, um, merge some, some audio together. So if it works for you, that's great. I, I, I haven't heard about it in a long time. <laughs> Well, your Chicago connection doesn't really stop there because you also have a, a project with our good friend and, and previous guest, Blake Edwards, who who came on to talk about, oh, about Zev. Yes. And uh, can you can you talk about your work with Blake? Oh, Blake. Uh, well, he's my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, you heard it here. <laughs> Sorry, he's not my bitch. I'm his bitch, man. <laughs> I, he, he he owns me. Blake is <laughs> Blake. Blake is the glue that keeps the battery going. Um, dead edits. Uh, it's it's like pulling teeth with me sometimes to get to do stuff, but he's pretty good at it. He's and he's prolific. I grant him that. He's really prolific. And everything, most everything that he sends me that he puts out is, is, is amazing to some degree in some ways that I didn't expect. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good, very positive thing. I, I like working with Blake. Um, I wish I had more drive and I, and I had, oh God, I wish I had the energy he does. That's the thing is he's got way more energy than I do. I, so it's, uh, in fact, right now I'm thinking of going to a nap, but anyway, um, <laughs> he, he, uh, if you're familiar with him, if you're familiar with him personally or as an artist, yes, he's, he's got significant amount of energy and it's all, all pretty well focused and it's good to, to work with him. It's really good to work with him. We talked with him about Zev, someone he worked with, and someone mm -hmm. else who used language in his work. Yeah. Was was that was Zev someone that you were 
Uns. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Uns. Stefan Weiser. We did a tribute to his dead edits where we did the uh, a fake copy of, of the Stefan Weiser 7-inch um, as a counterfeit. I love that release, by the way. That was that was one of my all-time favorites. Um, I don't know if you got it. If you don't, you should get it if you can. And if you can't, you probably can't anymore. That was a brief lathe. It was a seven-inch lathe. Oh. Me and me and me and Blake did as dead edits, and that was good. That was a good one. And um, then we did Saint Uns Stuns because we both worship Uns. Zev doesn't. If I remember right, Zev isn't really like uh, he's okay with uns, but you know it's not real. I don't. I don't think that was uh, his favorite persona. Zev was his favorite persona. Mm-hmm. Zev was his favorite uh, go-to. But man, I uh, when I yeah during those periods, yes, on that Target record, I'd listen to uns all the time, and then I would listen to Factrix. That's your. Those are your two key players on that record. And fucking Unz was amazing. I loved I loved listening to him. And it's and and uh the Blake Edwards CD put out that's a compilation is fuck is amazing. It's an amazing I love listening to that thing. It's a really nice release too. His, oh, yeah. his attention to detail on all that. Um yeah, so I, I can't give enough credit for Unz either. I mean Unz was, was significant there. Zev too for percussion. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But but uh, he was known for his word work and, and, and what he did. That Stefan Weiser, the original one, is, is, is uh, if you're a fan of old typewriters and, uh, and, and, and playing cut up with typewriters, that's a good, good addition. So. You would also work in the physical medium as far as a friend of ours calls them tape sculptures. He says... He has a tape that's in a Norelco case that's made out of something like clay or plaster. Oh, I did that. <laughs> according <laughs> according to a friend of ours, he allegedly wanted, oh. he wanted us to ask you about that. Oh, I did. I know I did it because I remember I did it. I did it the um, form. It's plaster painted with paint, spray paint. Um. God, I'm surprised he's got one. Somebody's got one of those too. Yeah, there's that. That that's all very private stuff too. There's some private issues that that I put out, which would be it's not really a release. There's like a lot of a lot of stuff that I, I do for friends, you know, that just hit me that either be fun. Other people do that too. Carl's pretty good for that. He put um, what was he put uh, uh he he cut this little tiny sliver of of a sandpaper into a cassette deck, a cassette, uh, a cassette sleeve, you know, the plastic, the case, the case, it wouldn't work, but it would screw your heads up really bad. It's, right. a, really nice, it's a really nice piece. The, the, it's, it's labor intensive. So it's kind of like that becomes prohibitive in terms of on a massive scale. You're not going to put it out as a, as a regular release, but I'm, I'm glad they're happy with it. I must, yes. I think I put it out with, Oh man, that was a long. That was a while back. Uh, I think we put it out with something, and uh, somebody's release got was lucky. But yes, that's how I did that. I remember that. Yeah, because I, I had to buy the the molding material from an art store. So were they all non playable, or was it a surprise? Oh, they're all non playable. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's 
yeah, there's some. This, I probably should do another one of those because those are fun to do. It's especially since people are interested in cassettes again. It's like they weren't that good, and uh, I I had sent out a fake CD to some friends of mine. Um, oh, really? This past summer, yeah. Uh, during the, uh, the, 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 the plague, um, I decided to do a lot of mail art and I had a limited mail list. And so I would make some postcards and send them out to, I don't know, it's like maybe, maybe 20 people. Sorry, you guys weren't there yet. I would have sent you guys one. And we started, I started sending them out because it's sort of like, at least you could do something to brighten people's day or something like that. I, 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 you know what the, I don't have to, have to, it was, it was not only something for me to do, but for some way to share it with people. So what was the fake CD? One was just, uh, it was, oh, it's a, if I can find one, the desk with, um, it's an old graphing mechanism paper. Okay, I I don't have them. I have them, but man, it would take quite the. I have to do some major overhauling in here. To they're around here, could run and get one and show you, but that would kill, take some time. Up, there are discs that you used to graph um, th- temperatures with. Okay, mm-hmm. it was a, it was an old it was an old analog way of of tracking temperatures in people's rooms. It was a, it was a, an ink based thing and you'd wind this little thing up and it would go around and around and have all the temperatures gridded out in a circle. This thing goes around and around and it tracks your temperatures. It's, it's, I have one that works, but I don't use it anymore. It's pretty cool. It's an old school. It's very old school, very old school from the sixties. Uh, the place I work is a treasure trove or was a treasure trove of, of antique, uh, of technology for running a building. And that was one of them. And it's this paper thing. It's round. It's about the same size as a CD. Fits into a CD sleeve, right? And then I stamped some stuff on it and made it, and it, made it look like it was an actual CD release. And I sent it to people. I In love addition that. to that, I want to do that again, I think. And maybe I'll make it more thicker. Maybe make it, make it look like it's a real CD. That could be done. But um, then I made up some other CDs that were just kind of like, like a fun but that was that was my yeah that was my social distancing project. It was fun. It was a good time. Well, then, do, you, uh, do you see your releases as albums? Like, do you would you think of that as an album, or do you think of that as, I guess, in your brain, how do you categorize that for your out for your output? I guess, uh, no, no, I don't think as well. I a little a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could see it as a release, and um, some people will. I don't treat it as a release, but um, because it's already gone, I don't have any plans on on uh, uh, of promoting it. You know that sort of thing. So, and and then I might be getting more into that lately too, as this promotion is such a pain in the ass. It's, it's like I, it's it's nice to the personal strategy is starting to become more my thing at this point is like, here, have this here, have this. It's, it's hard enough to, it is like, you can't put out a, 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 a you can't, and the investment is, it's, is, 
to speak in economic terms is horrible and really fucking detest it. But to speak in economics is like, yeah, I can't make money at this, so I'm going to friend you my 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 uh, my release. You know, it's it's yours. It's 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 a gift. So that's what it is: is a gift, not a release. It's a gift. I think it's more co- from that column as a gift. Are you okay with that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure people are okay with that idea, but that's I'm very okay that's with fantastic. that. I think it's great. hundred percent. You know, uh, a lot of your processes are very handmade, making your own exoskeleton, making this mail art and these fake CDs, uh, doing doing woodcuts. How important is the the physical to you in terms of presenting ideas and also in terms of the sorts of sounds that you collect and use that's uh, really it's like it's the only way i can work right i can't i can't i can't conceive of I, it's 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 how i've worked for so long and it's my worldview you know it's 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 hard to beat that it's your upbringing i guess you're imprinted with it the only way I relate to the world is with my hands, skin, and my head, my mind. And I can't not, I mean, I, I'm okay with conceptual art, right? When it's conceptual, especially when it's critical of the world, when there's a, with an inborn a criticism. I have no problem with the fact that I do enjoy that. It's a great game. It's a great, great uh, language game. When, when we're indulging in that sort of thing, that's cool. I'm not really into the ephemeral, though. I'm not really into the, like I said earlier, I, I can't construct something that's entirely digital and, and take take any sort of love of it. You know what I mean? Um, that I, I don't have a relationship with that, stuff like that, that way. And I, I usually like to have a relationship. I When I was a kid, I was a model maker. I don't know about you people. I don't, you know, I don't know what you guys were doing when you were like six years old. I don't even know if models were like, but why made models? I, I bought tons of, of, of drag race, auto, cars, uh, mutant shit, and, and I would learn to redo them and rebuild them to my specifications. The kits would cost like $5 a piece, and you'd get one every week, and you'd build that, and then you'd spend the rest of the weekend, once it was paid, looking at it from every angle. Because you're having this like material, you're having this relationship with this thing that you built. And that's the way it's worked for me for years. I can't do it any other way. And I've accepted that, but I can't, uh, I like friends of mine hate me because I buy CDs and like, I'll buy CDs from, oh yes, I have from Amazon. I've bought them from Bandcamp, especially like lately, right? And Bandcamp, you get the CD and you get the, the MP3. That's fine, right? You got material representation and you've got the listening, you know, the content. And, and that's, I'm okay with that, but man, they, they, it's like, I get a lot of shit from the, the kids these days that I work with. Cause I actually, I work with younger people and they're all like, why are you buying CDs for you? You just buy the, 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 the uh, MP3. I can't do that. We're it doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's not the same at all. If an artist has put his mind into the, the packaging, Right, you're doing him a disservice by taking just the digital representation. Absolutely, if his ex- expectation is to have it that way, so I don't. I I and I and I feel very strongly about that. I guess and and I mean, how many like bands and artists that are involved in making audio 
spend uh, spend a lot of their time working on the packaging. Not that that's important to some people, but man, that's the that's like a key component for a lot of people. Blake's into the 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 the, the packaging for less lack of a better term the artwork the 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 physical material presentation of the art and so that's that's why i do everything that's how i'm i that's how i that's how i work so well, that's how I, I lean we were talking with someone the other week about packaging and how especially with noise and it it's the first shot before you even get into the album, you get that packaging. So you're 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 already entering this world through the package, through the physicality of it before you even put it on. So it's yeah. it's the entry point. Yeah, and especially if it's handmade, it's it's like an artifact because it's been touched by the hand of the creator. Like that love handmade packaging because it was physically manipulated by the artist. Yeah. There's that energy that's been invested. And it makes so much sense that you built models as a kid and how you described looking at them, looking at all the different angles. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's going to become part of your work. It did. And it became that big imprint. Yeah. In fact, I started making models not too long ago again, too, because it was like, well, this is fun. Oh, yeah. What what kind of models are you making? I love old dragsters. We're getting a look at these right now. Oh, oh, but, you, but you see that the wheel broke off. It fell. <laughs> so, but it was fun. See, front end your dragster. It's like it's a that's great. weird. That's the dumb. That's it was do you, fun. It, do you do the whole paint fun. job like with the? Not that one. No, I just went gray on that. I had an idea for that one. Is gonna, but I I didn't do that one. No, I can like My smell favorite. those tiny paints in the turpentine right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so could we. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> could have some fun with that. What kind of equipment were you using throughout the ages? Like what were you what were you using in Boy Dirt Car and what were you using when you started embarking on solo material? Well, solo was all cassette decks and uh, reel to reels too. Oh god, reel to reels. Man, I miss those. Reel to reels, I have an SH101 Roland synth that I did most of my work with and I I still have that. That thing is great. I, and now it's just a museum piece. And um, let's see, that was one thing. Uh, guitar, well, you know, like, no, no guitars, all tape decks. Everything was tape decks. Um, and, and loops. I did a lot of loops. I, I, so everything was tape deck. Everything was tape back in the day. Now it's sort of like uh, with the evolution of, you know, baby analog synths you know like this little korg thing and stuff like that which i'm sure and know all the noise bands have at this point yeah i can play with some synths at this point you know i couldn't afford every synth that came out in the day and i and the sh101 just basically survived more than anything else um i didn't even have it for a couple of years and a friend of mine well dave <laughs> said hey you know you still have that synth and like Really great, and so I got my synth back. So, <laughs> so still have mine right, right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, cool. Yeah, one of my favorites. It uh, is a good one. It is. Can you tell us about the Shrad or the SH Rad, and it's a oh, sort of yeah. inspiration and, and derivation from the the L Rad or long range audio device? Oh God, wasn't that yeah. 
Wow, you're you're familiar with some of that. That died miserably. That piece met its maker just prior to his show in Chicago. But that was a long PVC tube that I built with a speaker in it. And it had it had inputs where you could either put a synth, which is what I did. I put one of those small little Korg touch synths on it. Or you could play a cassette through it, but mostly it was that. So I could play those tunes through it and aim it at the audience and hopefully got got the message across. So, so it's just a form of a, like sort of a directional audio weapon to use on the yes. audience? Yeah, that's the inspiration behind there. Did you move yeah. the tube during performance? Yeah, yeah, it worked. It worked. Unfortunately, cool. somebody stepped on the cord at the wrong time that it was all attached to and pulled out the, the, the jack for the, the output. And it was like, well, that's over with now. <laughs> so it did pull it out, ripped it. I mean, it tore it out of the, the board because it was mm -hmm. attached to a board, which was its amplifier. Anyway, so yeah, I kind of screwed that up. But yeah, you could do it. You could direct at it. Was it effective? It would have been more effective with more amplification if it was a little louder, if I'd employed or found something battery operated that I could have attached to it. It would have been it would have been way nicer that way. As far as its source sounds go, they were fine. That little cord thing produced the the tone you needed anyway, so that wasn't that bad. How long was this tube? Three feet. What other sorts of devices have you built for doing this stuff? I don't think, I, I think it might be the limit at this point. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, we used to have, there's the back in the day stuff and there's the new stuff. So the new stuff I introduced you to. Back in the day, we built the chain guitar where you ran it uh, with a uh, screw gun or drill. It was a drill, it wasn't a screw gun. And I worked it so that the chain would go off the sprockets and it would roll over the guitar. The strings. <laughs> ah, cool. That was nice. Wow. Yeah. How long Re did that hold up? Forever. It was beautiful. I mean, it wow. was just... Yeah, it, it, it didn't have a lot of... Speed adjustment, it wasn't... Um, it, it, it didn't... It moved fast, but you could kind of control the speed by, by, by the, the trigger. And... Um, and it, 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 that was a good one. Yeah, that, that worked out. I missed that one. That reminds me of, I think it's Remco Shah is the name of the guy. He's just, he's a, a composer. Yeah, I don't think he's very active anymore, or possibly not even around, but he did that with guitars where he ran these uh, train, chains and other things over the strings and just let them run on and on and on. I did that with, um, oh, God, I did the same thing. I forgot about that. I found a breast pump in a place I worked at. Yes, it was a breast pump. <laughs> but it had the right motor. It had this in-out situation going on yeah. with it. And at first I built it to be an automatic drawing machine. Because I put a pencil at the end of it and it went, right? I can actually send you MP3s of that because that's one of the things that I rescued recently once I found it. Although I think I messed it up. Um, anyway. That, I realized if I put a pick on the end of it, uh, instead of the, 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 the pencil, I could hook that to a guitar and it would go strum all by itself. So I think, I think if you're, if that was fun. I, I might even, I don't, I don't have any pictures of that. I, 
I, I might. That's another dig. I mean, I a got pump some. Pump and strum. A pump and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the only thing that would work. I miss it. I don't know where it went. I, I think we threw it away when we moved. Because where I used to live and work uh, was a rental property. And you would just, like, people would leave stuff, weird stuff. But they would leave it, and that was one of them. And when we moved out of there in a hurry, it might have actually gotten gotten uh, left behind, which is too bad because it was really fun. I hope I somebody it found it and got confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they didn't use it the way it was supposed to. With all those cassette decks in your arsenal in the 80s, especially, what were your what were your source sounds? What were you recording to tape? What were you what kind of things were you using and manipulating? Well, vocals, TV drops, things you pull off television, radio, radio signals, things from the environment, everything, you know, like a, 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 we, there was the BDC hunting where we go out and look for stuff to record. That was that part of that. I extended that. I did more of that on my own, too. I do the it was more important for me. To, I, I'd come with a source, a, a seed sound, usually a synth sound or a. Not, or no, more of a more of a drum sound. I, I was really into elect, uh, um, that sort of electronic. It's not the rhythm; it's the sound of the the drum, the the eight oh eight. But not even that. Just it has to be that that from the from the SH one hundred one. You get the same thing. I don't know how you want to refer to it, but it's that that periodic like signal, dun dun dun. And I use that. I always started a lot with those because to me that sounded like a signal that 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 could be spread and uh and employed and you go out in nature let's say or a built environment or and you would employ that and you would record that event so i think what was important wasn't so much the the source material at some point as how the source material worked and i always picked it as i wanted something that wasn't that committed to anything you know what i mean i mean that signal, uh, it, it, it has no ideological meaning. It has nothing to it. It's just a simple, like, well, like a lab thing. It's more of a science project thing. I always looked at it that way, too. And then, also then, now we get back into if you're using it for good or evil. And if you're using the recording things for evil, you're going to use, you're going to, like I said, then you get into the voodoo thing, you know, where you're like, you're committing acts upon somebody or their voice. And uh, so, yeah, there are many, many uses. And if I'm in a, if I was in a, if I was going to use the work as, as a, as an environmental, then it was going to be a simple, a simple signal to introduce into the environment. And if it wasn't, and it was going to be, let's say a rhetorical weapon, and then it was going to be somebody's, words or their voice and i was going to play with it and, and destroy it let's say i don't mean it all to be sounding like violence especially now because it's sort of like yeah i don't know if i really need that anymore but that's how i work that's the function looking at something like a uh, candy hole your your cd from 2010 which is fantastic and and everyone I think needs a copy of, but those are uh, sort of uh, site recordings, right? So it could be classed as field recordings or environmental recordings, but there's also pieces yeah. on there where you you're taking the shred out in the field and setting up an environment and recording sort of the effects yeah. of utilizing that 
in the wild. Yes. How do you see that as, as different from sort of traditional field recording work? I said it once. I said, um, I'm not into field recording. I'm into recording field. I it reverse it. You're setting up a field to be recorded. You're not recording a field. You're setting up a, 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 a sonic field that you're going to work with. It's the reversal of the um, participant thing and being more of an instigator or a catalyst. You're going you're gonna to go into the environment and see what the sound you're introducing, what effect it has on that environment. Or so you'd like to believe. And you go mm. with that. And if it's a fiction, you're going with that. But that's the premise. How much of your work is generated sort of at home in, in your home studio environment versus outside? And, and how important is it to you to sort of be outside of your place when making some of this? Uh, not as important anymore. Back in the day, uh, I was more focused on... I, I, I could do... Back in the day, not back... I keep saying that too, but it's time. And that's just how things go. I, I would have a pension to work both angles, you know, inside and outside. But outside had a different purpose than inside or a different approach. If I was going outside, it was because I was going to do the recording field. If I was going to stay inside, well, then things get like, well, now I'm writing. So that's kind of how it, 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 it's approached at this point. Most everything now I do is inside. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't do a lot of uh, recording out in the, uh, I don't do any ambient recording outside anymore. Um, and it's not cause I won't, I don't refuse to. It's just that, uh, I'm not right now. So I could, but I'm not, I probably won't. <laughs> well, what's the most fun for you to do right now between, you know, audio recording, building machines, you know, just creating things. Writing. Physically. What, it, what yeah. is right now for you? Do you get joy? What, how do I get joy? That's a good question. Yeah. I print a lot. I've been doing these. I, I discovered that I could make my own printing press down here. There's this place in Minnesota called the Minnesota Center of Book Arts. I love printing and I like books. So I've been, I like building. I do a lot of books by hand, like for my amusement and for other people. Again, we're back to the gift thing. Anyway, oh, here's one. It's for my amusement. It's a little hardcover book, about that small. But it's all that, like really weird paper that... Oh, that's very nice. This looks really cool. Uh, it's a, it's a small it? bound book with really strange... Paper in it. Paper, yeah. A weird packing paper that they... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's that's beautifully the... bound. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing that. So that brings me joy, is, is doing... Printing and um, so now I'm trying to. Uh, I've been working on these small little little projects with, well, like Blake, Joe. I'm trying to prompt into uh, John, Doctor John M. Bennett is one, and uh, Blake uh, and Jeff did one, and we're doing. A, we did a series of. They hand wrote something in pencil. I erased it. And then I, I scanned the pencil before I erase it. I, I, I scan the erasure. Oh, I, I write over it, too. That's it. They write. I scan that. Then I write over that, and I scan that. And then we erase the whole thing, we scan the erasure. So I've been dabbling in, in that sort of thing. But the printing part's fun. 
because I figured out if you bought a set of wood wood letters and glued them to little blocks, you could turn them into into dies like like a printing press. So it's not great. That works. Is that uh, so, that's the, the erased series? And uh, I see one. Oh, yeah. Actually, a, a friend sent one that yeah. says, uh, "What great makes us last?" Oh yeah. Oh, that's the erased thing. Yeah, that's it. That's what. That's what Blake did. Yes, Blake. Uh, I, I made a couple for him, and and hopefully he sold them or gave them away. Yes, they look beautiful. That's it. And as far as audio goes right now, awesome. I, I I could be I I don't know I'm not committed to anything right now. Right well, on. Um, we have a we have a wonderful history of your audio a work that body of work people can always body. Yeah. dive into those uh, <laughs> those zines and and projects with the erased uh, concepts seem to be very much in line with sort of Burroughs and and Geisen and and rubbing out the word. I've heard that that you're also quite a reader. And of course, citing to authors there. What are you What are you reading lately? Sextus Empiricus, Puranism. I'm doing a lot of studying on that right now. Yeah, Puranism slash skepticism, Buddhist logic, which is different than Buddhism. A lot of poetry. Uh, P. Inman is on my table right now. Doctor John M. Bennett. What else? Oh, that that's I've been leaning towards literary lately. Yeah. I'm a reader. I'm horrible. I got lots. You can pay me off in books. I'll probably take those. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right now that's it. Yeah, really, really into into the, the skepticism thing. The, the ancient Greek skepticism is oh, really of interest right now. Yes. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's, it's a completely different approach to, to stuff. Because I question the value of belief. You know, of, of and and I don't think we need to indulge everything as a matter of belief. And right there, uh, that's a, that's what Empiricus, Sectus Empiricus, his whole thing is is uh, uh, quest as a is a criticism of of the need for belief. And I think that's the way things should go. Is this this just having to believe in something is just foolish. So. That's my slant on that. Hey, well, that sounds great. I Thank really you. enjoy the way your brain is working. Yeah, we're a fan of you. We've been a fan Thanks. of your brain, how it worked in the 80s, up through now. Yes. And Thanks. so thank you so much for sharing all this with us today. This was yeah. an incredible oh conversation. My God, it's unbelievable. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out. I was a little worried about that, so... <laughs> No, this right. is uh, the, like like we said that you're you're someone we've wanted to talk to for a while. A lot of listeners have said you you got to talk to Eric. You yeah. got to talk to Eric. So I'm so happy this worked out, and we have to definitely thank Jeff German for making the connection happen. And he was very much. You guys have to talk to Eric. It'll be great. And man, Jeff, you were right. This was an incredible <laughs> yes. conversation, and I'm glad you have stuff because. People can contact you and get that stuff. That's right. We will we will have a contact up for you so that, like like you said, you still have copies of the When You Wish Upon a Scar CD. I can't recommend yeah. it enough. It's, it's phenomenal. It's so great. Really, well, really important CD. Them folks, they send me an email. I'll get sure they get a copy. Yeah, well, it'll work. Sounds, it'll work. Yeah. sounds <laughs> excellent. We'll, we'll put it up. No, well, thanks. Thank you. thanks for it. Th thanks. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. 
by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.